The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. We are at 7 minutes after 8 o'clock here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. Mostly sunny skies right now, though we will see cloud cover develop this afternoon. Temperatures in the mid-20s. We're only going to go up from here, though. A lot of people really liking their uh, their utility bills this winter as Merle Kelch joins us live in a studio. Merle is one of them. I, I, I know, Merle, you got the place up north. Uh how has the propane uh, bill been for the for the place up north? It's actually been really nice. I'm usually two Phillips by now, and I'm just through one. I, hey, but, that works. Know, I got it this morning. It was minus seven degrees on my thermometer, at least up there. So I'm I'm sure it'll it'll take a good dent to that probing, <laughs> propane bill today. Right. Yeah. And and uh, and it, I know you were up actually up north. You you came down here yeah. to mm-hmm. to be with us today. We always appreciate that. Uh, I tell you what, we we were doing a lot of uh, pre-planning for the show uh, this week. Um, again, I every every now and then I I happen to see something and I'll send it Merle's way, be that be it serious or tongue in cheek. And I found a couple different nuggets this week, uh, especially regarding interest rates. And one thing I was really interested to ask you about here, and actually I forgot to pull the article up uh, while I was working the last half hour, but we. Uh, we're, we're starting to see prognosticators who say interest rates are indeed going to go up or excuse me, go down this summer. But yet you're hearing prognosticators that say, you know, they they might stay this way this summer. So I, I think the safest thing for us to say right now is interest rates may change, but they also may not change. Is that correct? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I got a couple of articles and <clears throat> and uh, one of them by oh geez, uh, I'm just going to pop this up here right away. William Watts. So one of them is, is part of an excerpt, not the part I wanted to talk about inside of this article, but inside of the, the article is the stock market bounces back from inflation inspired dive. Mm-hmm. Here's the message for investors, sir. We got that part done. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the thought uh, inside of here is you know somebody said well we're expecting three quarter point drops and like that's three percent. No. I, I doubt it. Um, in fact, uh, on CNBC, you and I had talked about, and this is a day mm-hmm. or so, folks. You know, there's people out there saying, we don't think we're going to see an interest rate cut in 24. I'm almost leaning towards that's the probability, and this is the Merle Kelt sniff test. And the only reason I'm saying is leaning towards that probability is that at this particular point in time, there's no reason for us to drop interest rates other than to make people feel all happy and warm and fuzzy. You know, we need to have the, the economy slow down, and especially if we're seeing – you know, as we uh, talked about last week, the volatility in the marketplace, and we're seeing an uptick in, uptick in inflation, which we've seen. Um, and with those things being the case, I just don't see interest rates coming down. I, we just don't see it. Inflation's still an issue. It's still not coming back. Now, one month doesn't make the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not seeing any reason for interest rates to come down at this point. And uh, I, I I think I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, but I'll, I'll it's worth noting again because again our kind of our theme today might just be here's what the inflationary numbers were and here's what it means for everybody. If in if the interest rates 
on December 31st are the same as they are today, right here on February 17th. Does that mean the year has been good, bad, or neutral? I'll tell you next December. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. You know, what what they're looking at is they look at the interest rates. Um, I'm going from memory here, folks, but I think I got it right. You know, the expectations on Tuesday for CPI was supposed to be 0.2, which would have lowered us again and and continue to keep driving that inflation rate down. It came up at 0.3. So what always happens then is they annualize that number and say, well, inflation isn't anywhere it's supposed to be. Well, it was one month. But as we predicted, by the way, last week, I said Mm -hmm. Tuesday's going to be a volatile day, either up or down. Depending on what happens with inflation, of course, it was very volatile mm-hmm. down. Now we made that money back by the end of the week, by the way. So, but, but, you know, and it's all based upon this interest rate thing. And, and I think, you know, people just have this fallacy that the Fed's just going to magically, because they love people, reduce interest rates. And that's not what their job is. Um, it's going to go down when they need to spark the economy and get the economy going again. Because the economy is slowing down at such a point that's going to a recessionary mode. We're just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, the probability of interest rates dropping are kind of low. You know, um, I, I just don't see a reason for interest rates to come down at this point. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. If you want to know what all the action this week has meant. And, I, and, I, and again, Merle... Uh, he followed through, uh, woke up on Tuesday morning to a text message from Merle. And again, I'm saying I, I literally woke up to it because uh, for those of you who know me, I will complain about working before 10 a.m. Uh, at any occasion and for any reason, except, of course, on Saturdays when I get to do this uh, hour of live uh, radio gold here on WSAU. I did wake up to a text message that said, remember what we said, volatile day. And sure enough, it happened. Me being the tongue-in-cheek uh, guy that I am occasionally, I immediately told Merle to pull all of my money out of the market, <laughs> and I'm I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't follow through yeah. on that because, uh, yes, again, by the end of the week, it was all made up. Yeah, just like I told you. Exactly. Magic. It's, so, yeah. again, that's what we do here on Making Financial Sense. So again, if you have a question for Merle or if you want to uh, get a- an explanation again from Merle as to just exactly what happened this week and what it means for you, Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. And the, the other thing that uh, that I was looking at during the week, uh, Merle, was uh, how other countries around the world have been handling uh, inflation, have been where their economies are sitting because of inflation. I believe one uh, example was Japan right now is in real bad shape. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us here, because again, our our society is so connected, our globe is so connected that things that happen in other countries can have an impact on markets here. Yeah, yeah. Does this mean that there is something that people need to be watching out for as the summer uh, goes along, especially those that have a uh, significant amount of investments? You know, you, you, you're kind of hitting upon something that I, um, I, I think our Federal Reserve did a really good job. Now, you know, we have, uh, you know, some politicians came in and say, you know, Powell was, is politicized, and I, I don't believe that would be the case. Um, but they made the hard decision, knowing that it could have some bad ramifications, saying we're driving interest rates up fast to try to get down inflation. You know, anybody who is here listening, uh, Mike, yourself included, we all can feel inflation. We see it immediately. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you go to the grocery store, an article we talked about last week says, you know, the last number of years we've seen uh, prices go up by 20%. We haven't seen that happen since 1966, and I don't remember which article last week we, we cited on that. And, and so we can see it at the grocery store. I mean, you go through and you see what inflation is. Now imagine if that continued on for years going forward. So imagine the effect that would have on you. So it was either make that decision, and I'm speaking on the Federal Reserve standpoint, it's either make that decision and bite it and make that hard decision now to get inflation curved and under control um, or have a long, prolonged problem of inflation in that type of manner. Not a lot of countries did that. Not a lot of countries said we're going to make this hard decision because, of course, you know, political reasons. They want all the warm, fuzzy, feel-good stuff. Oh, we want everybody to be happy with us. We want to be back in, in power and in office and have our political job next year. And so, so aside from that, um, those countries that didn't do it are having issue because now those prices are coming up. Um, the affordability to buy food makes it that you don't have the discretionary issues. So now you don't have the discretionary money that's not going for discretionary spending. Your economy starts slowing down. You start having a lot of problems. And the possibility is that the government then says, oh, we're going to make it better and start doing a lot of spending and putting money into the system, thereby driving inflation up and becoming more and more of a problem. And we're seeing that happen in a number of countries. Uh, Japan, to a certain degree, is one of them. Uh, Japan has known for putting a lot of money into their system um, as far as dollars putting it into their, their people. And I, I don't mean this in a bad way. Um, they put it into their people as far as uh, programs and mm-hmm. dollars and that kind of stuff. And it all becomes an inflationary effect. You know, the bulk of the inflation that we had right now um, had to do with the pandemic. And I'm not picking entirely on President Biden because the Trump administration started it. For the right reasons. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen. We mm-hmm. didn't know how it was going to go. And so pumping some systems up so we have the ability to have some money and stay alive and that kind of stuff until we figured it out, I get it. But we didn't have to continue to keep spending after we already had the vaccines and stuff were coming down and our mortality, mortality was dropping. Um, we didn't have to keep spending as we did on all this goofy stuff, in my opinion. That's what really drove inflation up considerably. Um, so other countries that didn't do that and didn't make those hard decisions are having a lot of problems. Yeah, I believe Germany was another one. Uh, Japan has other issues, if I remember from the article from the Associated Press I had sent you, because they have a lot of people that aren't of working age. So they have, a, a, well, just like everybody else, they have a lot of available jobs and not a lot of people to fill them. Their problem yeah. is probably just magnified a little more because their country is smaller than most, being an island nation. So there's those factors to consider as well. But the, um, the the point was a lot of other countries dealt with this, and it seems like at least as of right now, today, February 17th, the United States is coming through in better shape than most. At this point, yeah, I think so. Um, I think the size of our economy has a lot to do with it. I think we got over the mortality curve of COVID a lot quicker because of the vaccines that came out. Um, and, and, uh, you know, aside from arguing whether the vaccines worked or not, the, right. the, the numbers show that they did. Um, so, so in that, I think because of that, we're ahead of the curve. And, and I think that's it. And I think our Federal Reserve made the good decision of, of driving up interest rates. Now, that said, they drove up interest rates from an enormously stimulative place um, back to normal, which you've talked about. <laughs> and people just think that the normal was what happened over the course of uh, the last 15, 20 years, and that's not. That's the abnormal section. 
He is Merle Kells for Making Financial Sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. As always, your phone calls are welcome. Give us a call at 715-845-2155 if you'd like to talk with Merle coming up after this here on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. 21 minutes after 8 o'clock on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com, as well as we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Uh, Merle? And what did you read this week? I mean, did you read anything interesting besides the stuff that I was sending um, you? I read course. some interesting stuff about birds. Birds? Yeah. So oh. I read some stuff about birds. Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay. We're going to talk about bird watching okay. now here in this well, segment. Well, no, no, you said if I read anything interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's something out here I'd, I'd like to uh, pop up. It pops into an article. And, and I want to talk a little bit about bonds. And this, this article that I have brings it to my front because people ask me questions a lot, especially as of lately. Um, a new person, at least in my world, as far as an article goes, Joy Wilthermuth. We'll go with it. That's the best I got. Sorry, Joy, if you hear this program. It says, how do bonds perform one year after the Fed's first interest rate cut, um, a cut of a cycle? So... In here, what's happened, folks, is we, we normally have what's called a macroeconomic cycle. Um, we're Americans, so we always start by the growth cycle, we say. And then from that, growth goes to such a point that it starts creating inflationary pressures. And as inflation starts to tick its way up, then we increase interest rates. Um, by increasing the interest rates, thereby it slows the economy down and hopefully puts us into a mild or no recessionary event, but it slows the economy down to such a point that the Federal Reserve says, oh, we got to start increasing our dropping interest rates now. So we get to spark back up and get us back in that growth economy again. And, and so it's a cycle that goes on all the time. Uh, usually it goes on between seven and nine years, sometimes 11 years that we go through that whole cycle. And, and what many of us don't know is that COVID and that whole thing threw us into a cycle in a matter of years. I mean, a couple of years. We went through that whole cycle all the way around. And so we're now we're at the point where interest rates went up. Um, to slow down inflation. And the inflation, of course, was sparked artificially as well because of all the money that was pumped into our system. And so we're going through this really quick. But one of the things that happens is is um, what happens with bond prices when interest rates go up and down? And we've talked about this, but here's my point to this article then, is when interest rates go up, the value of bonds come down. And they've been so overpriced that they came crashing in 22. Um, it's it it difficult if you're inside of the stock and bond marketplace in 22. There's no place to run. You were just getting crushed. And you, you couldn't even go to the bank because that's paying you know, less than 1% at that point. Mm-hmm. So so all you had to do was to stop and wait. And so what's happened then is because um, the Federal Reserve says we could, you know, we could certainly see a pivot is their term of having interest rates go down in 24. And, of course, they're expecting that the economy will slow inflation be around. They could expect it to come down because they want to spark the economy. And with it, all of a sudden, we see bond prices go up by 5%. I was like, yay, bonds are great. We're going to go into bonds. But when we hear that, folks, it doesn't mean that's what they were paying for interest rates. It just simply means that the individual value of the bond went up. And, and like anything, we have to think about bonds because bonds have two components. So they have the interest or the dividend, as they say, um, that they pay out to us. 
as well as they have the actual value of the bonds that go up and down. And, and many people either don't know or don't think about this really. So if we buy a $10,000 bond and if everything goes the way it's supposed to and it's supposed to mature in 10 years from now, we get our $10,000 back. We don't get 11000 or 12000 because of growth. Our 10000 if all prices stay the same, uh, we get our $10,000 back in 10 years. But along the way, we get our interest every six months if it's a corporate. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a 6% coupon, we get $300 every six months. That's our income for owning that bond, but the bond isn't designed to go up like a stock. And many people forget that. Now, along the way, based upon interest rates, our $10,000 bond might be worth 9000 might be worth 10500 maybe 11000 goes back to 9500 But at the end, we get $10,000 back. Mm-hmm. And many people forget that function of bonds. So I'll have people that will call me. Uh, I'm sure there's people that are listening waiting for Merle to say, hey, are we ready for bonds? And, and the answer is not quite yet, and not because bonds are bad. Um, not quite yet because so many people are still holding the bonds that are paying the 7 and 8% interest, and the corporations are saying, well, hey, we're going to finance the stuff. We still have the stuff that's lower. I'm sorry. Uh, they still have the interest rates of the bonds that are at the lower interest rate, you know, that 4 and 5%, and they don't have to refinance new ones at 6 or 7% yet. And so we're not seeing them coming out in the secondary marketplace where we can get, and I, I, I made it backwards before, I'm sorry, but we're not seeing the bonds that are out there paying that 6 7% interest rate yet from quality credit and companies. But it's going to come because companies, of course, need money and financing too. And where the interest rates are, um, we'll, we'll see them start getting better probably next six months or a year if I had to take a guess. Exactly. And, and again, if you overdo it, in a situation like this, well, we don't have to look any further than what happened to Silicon Valley Bank nearly one year ago at this time yeah. to see what uh, can happen because yeah. you have an entire multinational bank that in a matter of weeks just mm-hmm. simply comes crashing down, leaving a whole lot of depositors with a whole lot of questions. Yeah. Um, and a lot of banks in our whole country are in that same type of a boat. And now that's because of not the dividend of the interest we were getting on the bonds. That's because of the price of the bonds. Uh, the banks have to account for the, par- the the value of their portfolios dropping. They have to account for that. Um, and in this instance, that bank didn't have itself diversified very well, and they put everything in for maximum return, which, of course, is your longest bonds out there, longest maturities. They're also the ones that get whipsawed the fastest when interest rates go up, and they got caught. Um, and, uh, you know, it's investment school 101 folks, and they seem to miss that class because <laughs> how I have no idea. So talking even with my friends uh, locally that run banks and, and uh, are presidents of banks, they said, you know, everybody's got long bonds that they're short on in value because the interest rates went up. We said, we all do. But you have all the other stuff in the middle that offsets that loss. And, and interest rates, when they come down, will fix that problem too. But the interest rates keep paying the dividends which is the reason that they do it to begin with. Yep. So as always, a diversified portfolio with good advice Absolutely. from somebody like Merle is always going to do Especially you well last part. in the long run. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to more about that uh, later on in the program as we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch here on WSAU. As always, we got time for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. If we are talking back and forth, it generally means we do not have somebody on the phone. So uh, at that point, go ahead and give us a call and uh, get your question for Merle in before the end of the show today. Because, of course, at a certain point, we will have to go home and uh, 
all questions, then we'll have to go to Merle directly. At well, McDonald's office. first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. That's right. McDonald's <laughs> first. Yes. Yeah, indeed. And uh, so, again, Merle, the diversification portion of this, I, I don't think it's something that can be overstated or overemphasized because that's just yeah. Yeah. The, the best way to go about it. Don't be overindulging in one area. Get yourself a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and, boy, um, I can't tell you how many times – um, and do we have a break or a call coming? We here? do have a call. We do have a call coming through here. Okay. So maybe somebody does on the phone want to know okay. about the diversifications yeah. of things. So here we go. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to? Good morning. This is Mike. Morning, Mike. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Um, I actually have a question. I was out for dinner last night. Got into a discussion with a guy about gold and silver. Yeah. And I'm wondering what your opinion is. He's fishing about eight foot of water with a silver jig, and I'm fishing about 14 with a gold jig, and he's catching crappie, but I'm getting perched. Well, I think you need to chum the water first. <laughs> <laughs> Go with something red. <laughs> what about chartreuse? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, it depends upon the color of the curtains you have in your shack. Awesome. I just uh, wanted to lighten your day up a little bit, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it. We'll see you later. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! I've, I there may be a uh, an ice fishing derby later today. Um, I, I think there might be maybe a fishing derby. Just again, be careful because the ice is very thin out there uh, in places. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. We'll be back with more after this here on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. It is 8.35 here on your Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com. We are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Merle joining us live in studio today. If you have a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call at 715-845-2155. We'd be happy to take your call on the air. Uh, Merle, last time that we were talking about uh, diversification and not getting too over the edge about bonds or anything that happens to be hot uh, right now because, again, you and I, we in certain ways, we can kind of speak the same language. I'm a little bit of a sports card collector, a little bit into sports gambling. At least I know about it. I'm not somebody who engages in it quite a bit, but I'm somebody who can at least hold my own when uh, when talking about it. You don't want to chase your highs. You don't want to be trying to uh, make up your losses all in one bet or all in one spot or somewhere or another. And that's something that kind of translates over into your world as well, because you don't want to get it all of a sudden into the ground level of something that becomes a fad and and buying it, you know, at $200 a share when you could have bought it at $80 a share and where the cap on that market is, you just don't know. So that's something that you have to do quite often with your clients, I'm sure. guessing. You know, boy, if you haven't noticed, folks, you're, you're hiding someplace under a bridge or something, but the stock market has really been taken off, especially things that are technology-driven and technology-related. And so as a result of that, we're seeing people that are just wanting to run in and jump in and, 
and and buy stuff inside of this technology area. And and it's really because of the old FOMO, as they say, the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And so you're chasing returns that might not already be done. And and uh, it, and I won't say the the name of the company, but one of the the hottest ones in the technology, um, I own. And and somebody says, well, geez, didn't you run it by this? No, I bought the stock three years ago. Well, how did you know it was going to do this? I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I knew about what they did, and I looked at their financials, and I looked at the company and said, I like where they're going. Um, and then it turns out to be one of the, the biggest AI stocks that are out there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I bought it right, and don't get me wrong, um, I'm not going to tell my wife how much we made, but we did okay, you know. But the point is, is that we buy the stock for two, three, five years out. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do the you know, you know fear of missing out, and so we look at some of these stocks that are there. Um, we just don't buy them because they're popular. Um, we buy them because of what's going forward and, and and what has the ability to make us money because of some projection of their business model, the profitability, the management of the company. Warren Buffett says even today at ninety some years old, he says I'm not going to buy a stock today and own it for six months. He said I'm buying it for ten years. And I thought that's pretty good for a guy who doesn't buy green bananas anymore because he can't <laughs> right. wait for them to ripen, you know. Um, but we have to look at that. And so, you know, we look at it, and uh, this is a conversation. In fact, um, I had this conversation with the gentleman who just called us talking about the fishing baits, um, who was a friend of mine. <laughs> um, he says, you know, what should I be looking at? And so I said, you know, look at for look at stuff that's going forward and, and where we're going as an economy. And, you know, starting with President Trump and, and President Biden also saying we need to have stuff manufactured here in America. You look for the technology that used to be on the outside of the country is now coming back into the country. So not only those companies are going to design, for example, chips and, and that type of stuff, but somebody's got to build it. You know, somebody's got to build the building. Somebody's got to put windows in. Somebody's got to put the power in. Somebody's got to build the machines that build chips, for example. And, and that's the direction I look at going and say, okay, which one of those are going to make money? Um, and, and I like that idea. Uh, you know, another thing, and in, in, in I'm saying this too, is that you look for industries that – have been downtrodden and people have been pushing a finger down and saying this is a bad business. But you look at the business and you look at the math and go, these guys just do nothing but keep making money. Um, and as a result of that, that might not be a bad thing to take a look at. Uh, there's a company that's out there, and obviously I can't say the name and won't say the name that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they make uh, uh, food and drugs for animals. Mm-hmm. And all they do is make money. It's great. It's been a great performer for myself and for clients for years. Um, it's what they don't make computer chips, they don't make screens, mm-hmm. they make drugs and food for animals. <laughs> Guess what? We love our animals, and exactly. these guys just keep making money, making food and drugs for animals. What a great idea! So I always try to look at the the math on it and not to chase, because of the fear of missing out, and we can't do that you have to look at a company and the financials and say are they making money uh, we'll get some in in and, and i know uh and if this guy's listening our, our client and a friend of mine if he's listening right now he's going to bust me later on i assure you he says look at the dividend of this stock and i said yeah but they're going to be gone in six months they're going broke <laughs> you know and, and, and so, <coughs> excuse me um you know so we have to look at what the profit of the companies they're doing and therefore then Many companies in that same pattern go into a mutual fund and go forward. But we have to look at that, not buying something because we we think we're missing out on something. Exactly. Again, I, and I just and diversification. Pulled, and so thank you for bringing that up. Yes. I, I tend to get in my soapbox with that stuff. I, and, and, and I just pulled this up, Merle. Actually, I was going to share this with you earlier in the week. 
Uh, we do have a caller on the line right now, so caller, just uh, hold on a couple of seconds. We will get to you. The uh, unaudited numbers for the gambling on this year's Super Bowl in Las Vegas, $185.6 million was wagered on yep. this year's game. How much of that do you think that the sports books kept? How much of that was losses for the for the uh, or excuse me? How much of that was a win for the sports book? If I had to guess, um, seventy six point eight million. Oh, that was the profit. That was the profit for the gotcha. sports books. They kept three percent of the uh, of the win of the money gambled. It's the auto guess would have been higher. Yeah, huh, okay. it, exactly. Remember. Uh, it's a, it is an absolute crapshoot. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to here? Good morning. This is Dick. Uh, morning, this, this is probably another call just for the entertainment factor. But this last <laughs> week I saw an article that some one of our Congress people actually thought that the way we could get out of our national debt was to print more money. I mean, after all, the government can print money. Why can't? Why don't they just print some and pay the debt off? And yeah, I, and I could probably there's, there's, guess who that was, or one of a couple. I, I just I, I suspect you could, but yeah. uh, could you just just explain that just so that the people out there that might actually believe that foolishness might understand it? There's there's actually a whole movement that's going in that direction, by the way, Dick, where people are saying, "Well, we'll just continue to keep having the debt. Who cares? We'll just have it go up." And I, I thought to myself, "Well, why don't these congressmen try that in their house and see how it works?" Right. You know, so yep. so we don't print money, and, and Dick, and, and thank you for the call, and because um, we we don't, well, we do print the money, but it has to come from someplace. We just don't magically say, well, we need a billion, let's fire up the press. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. So what we do is we actually issue debt through the Treasury Department. So we issue the debt, and there's an auction that goes off on a regular basis uh, for your three months, two-year, five-year, ten-year debt, and we auction that off, and it's a reverse auction. Um, if we need a uh, hundred billion dollars, I'm using easy math here. If we need a hundred billion dollars. It goes open to the the borders to you and I as investors to different countries, banks globally, and it says, okay, we want to auction off a hundred billion dollars, and somebody will say, uh, well, will you give us a hundred percent of the hundred billion dollars? Nope, but we're gonna give you. Uh, how about ninety nine? Who's gonna pay us ninety eight? Who's gonna pay us ninety five percent of the debt? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna pay ninety three and so forth? And it keeps going down until somebody finally says, okay, I'll take it at that. And it's a factor in the amount of yield that you're going to get back in those dollars. So it's a reverse auction that way. They try to sell some at the highest value, as you might imagine. They do it backwards. And so we sell our debt. So we look at this debt and say, okay, that money then goes in the treasury. This then goes off to uh, sell prices. We have to pay those bonds back. I mean, we mm-hmm. have to pay interest on them. And they have maturity dates to them. And so whatever they are. So it's not this thing that we just turn on a press and start creating more cash. It's actually debt that we service and sell globally. Um, and so countries around the world own U.S. debt. Banks own U.S. debt. Um, and it transfers back and forth. And maybe you bought a bond two years ago and you don't want to have it. And you resell it in a secondary marketplace. And so all of that happens with the cash that the government needs to fund all of our projects and dollars. Ideally... We wouldn't have to sell any bonds. Wouldn't that be handy? Of course. I mean, you know, we'd have a balanced budget. Weird. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll get there again. We haven't seen it since the Clinton era. Yeah, indeed. Again, try that Thank your you, own, Dick, by the in way. your own uh, household. See how well that works out. Uh, you know, especially if you're uh, you're in a spot where uh, things have gotten tight. Yeah, you, you you can't just keep charging it on the card. At a certain point, you have to say no. Nope, exactly. We have to say no to this and that and that. Until the next payday or so. Precisely.
715-845-2155 is the number to call. We'll be back after this to wrap up another edition of Making Financial Sense here on WSAU. But first, here's Chris Conley with this day. 8.48 on your Saturday morning here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. We're working our way towards Badger men's basketball this afternoon. It's a 12-15 pregame show, one fifteen tip-off from Iowa City. Wisconsin men are going to be taking on Iowa. Uh, no, Caitlin Clark is not going to be in the lineup for Iowa, the national sensation who, of course, set the NCAA women's basketball scoring record uh, this week. Caitlin Clark not going to be on loan to the Iowa men's team, even though with the way Iowa's record is, they could probably use her. I wonder if they would let her, you know, be on loan to the men's team for a while. Maybe. It (laughs) might be something that Iowa would want to consider petitioning for. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. Good morning. You're making financial sense. Who are we talking to? This is Brenda. Morning, Brenda. Hi. Um, this may be really basic and everyone knows it, but me, I have a hundred K and I to use, um, and I want to get a dividend monthly to myself. Where do I put it? it? You know, what's interesting is, you know, if you're looking for something that's got a lot of stability to it, there's a number of places to go, but quite honestly, at the moment, I think a CD is a pretty good bet. Now, Long-term, I'm not a big fan of CDs because they don't beat inflation and taxes. But, you know, the, the safe place to, to get a, a safer place to get a, 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 a yield or a dividend, if you will, would be inside of the bond marketplace. But we talked about it a little bit earlier. The yields just aren't quite there. To find some good quality bonds to set up a bond portfolio, you're looking at a yield around 5%. Well, at a yield at 5%, I could tell you to go to buy a CD at the bank for about 5%. And it's going to be riskless because you have FDIC insurance and that whole bit um, at the bank. Now, it's probably only going to last about a year. Then we'll see interest rates change. But during that period of time, I don't think it's a bad place to go. Okay. Okay. Now, you have to What am I looking for in interest Uh, for the bond? You you should be able to find a CD someplace that's near the 5% or someplace even a little bit over. So it'd be a pretty quick search online and just going through and looking at saying CDs at different banks, they'll advertise them for you. Uh, remember in the old days, if you put money inside of a CD, they gave you a toaster. They can't do that anymore. <laughs> but but um, if you shop around out there, we tend to see better CD rates at um, uh, uh, like credit unions or something mm-hmm. like that than you do at the bank. But look around. Okay. Now, I, I wouldn't do like a three or a five-year and, and, and the reason is because the three or five years, your interest rates are going to come down. But the sweet spot seems to be right about a year. And then in a year from now, you know, you look at it and say, well, let's readdress and look at this again. Typically, you find your bonds and bond-type investments end up having a spread of a couple percent over what you'd have with a CD. But right now, that's just not the case. I think one of the best options, if you're looking for a little bit of extra cash, um, without going into the stock market and having that conversation, a CD right now is about as is a pretty good idea. Thank you. And all my banker friends thank me. You know, <laughs> let me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye, Abs- Brenda. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. Yeah. And uh, I think to do your research on that, I don't know that you have to do anything more than take a drive up and down Grand Avenue right now. <laughs> no kidding. Or a drive up and down um, uh, Stewart Avenue. Because you're going to see those rates are still being advertised this day. I think even the bank just down the street from us, I remember walking back from City Hall and seeing it right there on their reader board. 
But again, as you mentioned, you're not going to see anything past eight to 12 months at this point because we are anticipating rate cuts. But that goes back to, yeah. you know, what we were talking about earlier. It's yeah. a matter of when that's going to happen. Well, that's anybody's guess right now. But for the time being, that is still a good option. But it's just kind of interesting. If you look at where the banks are paying in that sweet spot, it seems to be within a year. Uh, the banks are projecting in their mind that interest rates are going to come down as well. I mean, you can look at it, and banks are kind of smart people that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think it's happening in May, uh, but I think you know probably eh, maybe about a year out we'd see something happen within that period of time. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle here on Making Financial Sense. But again, Merle, I'll come back to I feel like you and I have been having that conversation of banks are saying, well, it might be a year from now for the last six months or so. So that, again, shows you just how this really is anyone's guess right now outside of the uh, ladies and gentlemen that are in the room when that decision is made every uh, 10 times a year or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's an article that's out here, and I want to, I want to, it's a, it's a um, article by, again, Joy uh, Withermuth. <clears throat> that's a mouthful. It's talking about this, the, the, the trial on Trump's real estate in New York. And now, I'm not defending Trump in this, per se, um, mm-hmm. but the whole idea of this is just driving me absolutely batty <clears throat> in, in, in this thing. And it's going to be appealed, of course, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Right. But in here, anybody who has ever had a house and you had to have it appraised for two things, do you ever say, well, geez, I really want that appraisal to be as low as possible? <laughs> no, nobody ever says that. Nobody says, you know, talk to the appraiser. Like, yeah, you know, I really like it to be up in this neighborhood. Can you do that? The appraiser does his best bet. And, and the next thing is, why is the appraiser there? Well, it's to make sure that the numbers are there for the bank and the bank looks at it. Mm-hmm. So in here, they're saying that Trump, you know, lied on his numbers to try to get a better deal. Well, he's like every other person I know that's in real estate. You try to get the highest appraisal you can because it, you know, it's better for your banking and, and the stuff you want to do. And I don't see anything wrong with what that's happened. Now I'll let them argue whether it was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. The fine to me seems ridiculous that they had had, but the part in here that amazed me um, is that this is not based upon uh, numbers in truth is because the banks were all okay. They got paid back. They got their interest rate, their loans. They're all happy. The judge comes through and says, because Mr. Trump didn't answer questions and evaded questions and you know came into these tirades, um, we think his outcome could have been better. Hold on. Isn't it supposed to be about the numbers and the truth, not what somebody said? And I just look at this. And this is just going to. I just look at this. And I, I couldn't imagine here in Wausau, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm a judge actually saying that because isn't it supposed to be based upon what's presented in front of us? You mm-hmm. know, what's provable, not provable, not, well, maybe if we would have answered questions better, the, the math would have been sitting there in front of them. Anyway, mm-hmm. driving me absolutely bananas. Yeah. And, and we were actually, uh, my reporter, Tom Schumacher and I were having this discussion yesterday uh, as I was getting ready to, uh, to head out for the day, uh, just looking at, the you know the verdict and everything else that went into this case from the start and again I'm the news director for WSAU I don't endorse I don't uh, you know nobody even around the office really knows how I vote that's just not how I conduct myself in a situation like this but even I was looking 
at this situation and, and the result and, and kind of saying, wait a minute, this is what we're spending time on right now mm-hmm. these days. There's not anything more important that could be done in this courtroom right yeah. now. And well, it, it, <laughs> and it, it came from a point of, wait a minute, you know, who didn't get their money back? Who was the victim in here? And apparently at one point the judge even kind of said this was, we don't know who the victim is, so we don't know where this fine money is going to go to. If it's going to go to a victim's crime fund or back to fund the courts, whatever the uh, whatever the situation may be. That was where I was dumbfounded looking at <laughs> yeah, this. And, and in here is where it comes to, again, and it's, it's not – it's not about Trump endorsing Trump. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the point. It's, it's the case itself, just for right. So from a business standpoint, um, if I'm a local business developer, if I'm a regional business developer, and now somebody has has the ability to come back and say, well, you overinflated your, your numbers to look bad or better for a bank or for a loan or something like that, and, and you can say, well, yeah, but the other part of this is that um, the banks, when they gave the loan, they had their own people look at it to make sure the numbers are right. They don't just go, well, okay, so you said it was this value. Okay, we'll just take your word for it. No. They also have their adjusters and appraisers that make sure that the value is there in a little bit before they give the loans out. And so now we have a court system because somebody doesn't like you, and mm-hmm. they say, well, you overinflated it, and so therefore we're going to sue you and give you a fine. How do we – it's just ridiculous to me. And so from a business standpoint, folks, oh, Boy, what a mess. Um, mm-hmm. Just from a complete business standpoint, aside from the political side. Indeed. What a mess. Yes. Okay. Well, my commentary is done. <laughs> uh, and uh, tell you what, if, if if that's what you're looking at, I've got another recommendation uh, for you to watch. It's the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Big Shots, about the gentleman from Dallas, Texas, who conned the NHL and actually owned the New York Islanders for three months, even though he was worth no more than me. He walked into a couple of different banks and got lines of credit that said he was worth money because he said he was worth money. This was back in the 90s, folks. I can, if that tells you deal. just exactly what was going on there. Uh, yeah, you definitely got to check that out. Uh, 8.58 here. We're just wrapping things up for making financial sense. Merle, as always, uh, if anybody's got a question for you or if they want to talk to you and just stop in and see the office this week, uh, maybe see the window that you jump out of when the markets right. go down. Um, uh, how do they do that? It's very nice. Uh, we got a, a pillow underneath now. It's a, mm-hmm. a soft landing. Yeah. Indeed. Um, folks, give us a call. Uh, stop in 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Shadowasa. Uh, stop in. Grab a cup of coffee, say hello and hi, kick the tires and uh, that whole bit. And give us a call locally, 715-849-3600 outside of the Wasa area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. Again, he's Mer-